0: Good afternoon and good evening, wherever and whenever you may be, and welcome to episode 111 111 of the Fade to Black
1: <laughs> podcast.
0: I'm Hannah Flint.
1: I'm Clarice Lockery. And I'm Amon Woman.
0: This week, I speak to filmmaker Areege Sahiri about her intimate Tunisian drama, Under the Fig Trees, while we rev our submarines for Fast X. Go back to school with "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret," and embark on an existential odyssey with Ariaster's Bo Is Afraid." Plus, in our hot take, we talk about all those fast ten X. I. What do you say? Fast X, fast ten.
1: <laughs> fast X I keep saying
0: fast. I know. I keep saying fast X. I think, but it's obviously ten because
1: it's the Roman. Because
0: it's, it, it's a Roman numeral. Oh. Oh. Because we have
2: to fast 10 our seatbelts ah, when you watch this film.
0: That's really good. <laughs> That's what they should have called it. Um, so we're going to talk spoilers and uh, just get into who we think might pop up in part two of this climactic franchise finale. Because it seems like there's room for everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Even if you may have perished on screen. Later,
0: <laughs> later, later, later. But I'm gone. What's been revving your engines this week so far? We're recording on a Wednesday, so it's it's
2: hump no, day. On Wait. <laughs> Honestly, it feels it's felt good uh, to just get out and about a little bit more um, for the first time in a the while. There's no pressing uh, copy which I have to uh, write in not a uh, long amount of time. Uh, so yeah, I've been going to screenings. I've been seeing you, lovely lot, out and about, looking great in your like seriously, Clarice, We went to the little mermaid premiere, and I, who I've been I've been called the best dressed you know uh, journalist in in the, in the UK, um, but I felt very underdressed that day. Clarice was showing I, me up. Uh, well, she under-
1: had to you sh- dressed like a mermaid? It's <laughs> just so like a mermaid because yeah. it's the
2: mermaid movie. No, she had she had. She had this amazing lilac jacket, Mm. which looked incredible. And then we went went with our friend Sarah Cook, who was dressed as Ursula, essentially. She was looking great. It's Sarah's birthday this
0: week, right?
2: It was, yeah.
3: Yeah. Happy birthday, Sarah. Um,
2: Indeed. So, yeah, that was cool. Um, It's always fun when uh, the stars roll through the UK for a premiere. It's always funny as well to see who I end up sitting Either next to or very close to. This is the second premiere in not a in not long amount of time when I've been sat pretty much next to Skepta. They
1: keep sitting wow. me in front of Stormzy at premieres, and I'm like, do they want oh me to god. become friends? Stormzy because as I'd well. Love to be friends yeah. with Stormzy. Um, I'm, I'm doing it again. They tried to stop me. I'm doing it again. Skepta.
0: Yeah, I'm doing it again. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. Oh
2: wow, that's really really so, cool. So yeah, that was a fun night.
0: I, who have I sat next to? I've sat next to Clarice this week, which is nice.
1: I'm not as sat fun which as Which is even better than Stormzy. I mean, no. so. I wouldn't know.
0: <laughs> you're funnier to me than Stormzy because I've never sat next to him. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're, I'll take you over Stormzy. Because mm-hmm. I think also one thing I've noticed this week, uh, um, actually one thing has been grinding my gears to get old Pete Griffin about it, um, <laughs> going to FDA multimedia screenings is just like lawless now. There are people just whacking out their phones and just texting, like, not even texting. Today, last night, when we went to see Fast X, Fast N, um, <laughs> I was sat in front, like, beh- like, behind these four women who came in late, and then one of them, literally, was just, like, from the very beginning, started scrolling. So look at the photos she took on the front, on the uh, outside, in front of the, in front of the branding. seeing how many likes mm. you got on Twitter, on TikTok. And I actually, I said, Please, can you put your phone away? Because all you can see is this thing in the corner of your eye. Mm -hmm. And then her mate started up. And I was like, please, I beg of you, put your phone away. And the way she side-eyed me, as if I'm the rude one. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel just stressed. And I'm not trying to say people can't enjoy, like invite everyone, all walks of life, blah, blah, blah. But like, they need to be more vigilant at screenings because I cannot handle it anymore. It's just, I feel like I'm distracted and I miss like, I mean, not like there's key dialogue in, that's, that's it. <laughs> I don't know, it's so the line. We're very <laughs> and but, yeah. So that's Dante, been, that's, that's, that's been my pet, my pet peeve this week. Has anyone paced you off this week, Clarice?
1: Oh, well, uh, no. I'm happy with Mankind. (laughs) No. The only person ever there, so I really enjoyed the Twitter debate Pacino versus De Niro <laughs> young, young Pacino young De Niro who's hotter it was like a really fun debate because it's totally harmless and then someone tried to like discourse it and was like if you are attracted to De Niro you have like mental problems and it was like what because you know De Niro in, like especially in his early career was playing a lot of um incel men <laughs> <laughs> and they were trying to like make some link and it's like he just has a strong jawline it's not you don't have to analyze it yeah ain't that deep, it <laughs> it really, oh isn't that deep. and also you spoiled the party De Niro it, it is correct De Niro is the, it is correct.
0: the hottest
1: yeah it is because he fantastic. also has a yeah. strong
0: nose as well yeah I love a good nose mm-hmm. and he has a strong one um See,
2: I, I, don't, I was looking at some pictures of young Al Pacino in this thread and I gotta say the, 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 the closeness in the poll. Last time I checked it was it 50, ended 50 50, literally 50 50. 50. Really? Oh, really? Pu- I think that's quite poetic. <laughs> wow. I really love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's sometimes cool. Twitter is good, even. Yeah, that. it
1: was brilliant. Um, I loved it until I saw that uh-huh. one tweet and I was like, how did you manage to ruin it? It was so pure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: uh, nothing lasts forever. Uh, just like this opening chat. So let's crack on with um our interview our only interview for the episode but first here's a trailer for under the fig trees
4: oh.
0: Under the fig trees.
4: Under the fig trees.
0: Darling, it's better. Down where it's hotter. Take it for me. Take it for me in these fig trees. <laughs> Among the trees, young women and men work in the summer harvest, develop new feelings, flirt, and try to understand each other, but find and flee deeper connections. So this is the uh, feature fiction debut for uh Tunisian filmmaker, yay, Oreej Sahiri, <laughs> who co-wrote the script. I mean, as you'll get from the interview, you'll realise it, it wasn't a, a traditional script per se, but she worked out the kind of scenarios uh, with um, Halia lacroix and Peggy Haman. Uh it stars uh Fideh uh Fidili, her sister Fetem Fadili, Ameni Fadili. That's I think actually I'm not sure which one's the cousin, but they're all related as you might have uh, gathered. Uh Samar Sifi, Leila Uheppi, uh Nayam Ben Al Hedi, Zbahi, uh Haif Mandesi, Abadek Mrabti, uh Fedi Ben Ashur and Firaz Amri. Um uh it's It was really lovely to speak to. I feel like I love it because I've had so many Tunisian filmmaker, like films recently. Yeah. Personally, this is great for me. Um, But I actually just spoke to her today. Uh, She's based in Tunis. She's actually a French, uh, she's French born, but her father moved out of Tunisia when he was 15 years old. And in this, in the interview, it was really cool to talk about, I suppose her kind of more softer, more interior, less, Politi- overtly politically charged look at the state of Tunisia today you know it, it, for me it kind of had like I don't know this not as tragic Sue had, but getting into the family the, the female relationships the generational relationship between women um basically getting a whole um unprofessional cast shooting in Tunisia and how um making a film like this and why she's so keen on uh make telling Tunisia's stories and how it kind of emboldens her and feels her feels I don't know um uh, makes her more have more conviction in her identity as a Tunisian woman so yeah so uh here is that interview and afterwards we're getting straight into our first review Eri Tahiri thank you so much for joining us on the Fae to Black podcast
3: how are you today I'm good thank you for having me oh where where am I speaking to you from in Tunis I'm in Tunis ah.
4: right
3: oh
0: amazing yes. so um I kind of want to before I get into uh, into the film, I'd love to talk a bit about like your relationship to Tunisia as well, because obviously this is set in the village that you, you hail from, but you didn't always live in Tunisia and you've had quite been in the diaspora. So can you tell me a bit about how that experience has shaped the type of films that you want to tell?
3: Yes I actually was born in France uh, and then um in my adulthood I studied in Canada I traveled in the states then I went back to Europe worked uh, in Luxembourg then I traveled to the Middle East so it was, I was I had like um, I was I was of course connected to Tunisia, but through just vacation, going for the summer, you know, going to uh, weddings, uh, family weddings. We have weddings every every year. Uh, <laughs> as in, it's still today, I'm like, oh my god, it's still happening. Uh, so so that was really, basically my relationship with Tunisia was really family at the time, and um, and at that time, I I wasn't aware really about the political side, uh, like. I didn't know, I just knew we don't talk about politics. But um, other than that, that, I I was not really. And then later on, when I started to build like a political conscious, uh, become even a journalist and a documentary filmmaker, I was more interested about the political background and the history of the country. And um, and that that has changed, of course, my vision um, of the country. And and even of, uh, you know, the, the family, uh, and I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, um, of course it changed something to me. And at that time I was a journalist in Jerusalem uh, covering the news and, I, um, and the uprising started in 2010 in Tunisia. And I felt at that time that even though I was so interested about the Middle East and what's happening in Palestine, and, uh, and Israel and this whole area, I felt that my I had had to be in Tunisia. So I traveled uh, to Tunisia and uh, I started to write a documentary called My Father's Facebook. And it was uh, the story of the addiction of my father on social media during the uprising. It's like a comedy drama, and I start to again to connect also to the history of my own father from coming from his own village that he left when he was only 15 coming from a very poor family of farmers and even though I knew the like the general story I didn't know what it means what it meant to him to live at this young age uh or or what it meant to him his relationship to the country and um and this is where i start I start to connect differently and start to see the country differently and and start to write project as metaphor as microcosm of Tunisia, the way I see it, which is uh paradoxal like a like a free country, very modern open minded people, but at the same time very conservative uh um, who were censored for so many years. Uh, so censorship is also in, in the way you are in your intimacy. It's not just um, political thing. It's and 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 so on I started to 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 write and, and and look at Tunisia, and then I I moved to Tunisia, which was not on my plans. Oh wow!
0: Um, you know what you you say that, and I I think about this book that I read called Tunisia: An Arab Anomaly, and it really kind of is because of kind of you know I mean it's compared to other countries considered in the Arab world, it has far more progress in certain aspects. And yet, uh, from Birgiba, then in Ben Ali governments, it's kind of never really got out of this state since independence, this state of infancy. It's kind of always in this state of like, we're not quite there yet. And what I love about um, Under the Fig Trees is how, you know, getting into the youth, but also like how how that has a knock on effect. Like there aren't that many jobs and people can go to kind of college and come out of it. And like, there's not really much there. And I suppose connecting the characters with the younger generation and older generation. Um, so, I mean, getting that that specific story um, and it's, it's sorry I have to go on, but like we've had in recent years we've had like Ashkel last year that kind of grappled with the systemic kind of corruption and a hangover. Um, We had um, Lotfi Nathan's recent film, Parker, which goes on a very specific and gets into the kind of uh, Mohammed, uh, the the self-immolation and kind of like that feeling despair. But what I love about uh, this film is not only is it quite female focused centric, Mm -hmm. but also just really like soulful and intimate and there's hope. And it's not this kind of, not as despairing as we're so used to seeing. So (laughs) in a roundabout way, I love to understand um, how you came to that kind of um, uh, perspective on how you wanted to kind of grapple with your first fiction feature uh, debut.
3: Yes, it's true that uh, we have a tendency, we have more dark film this last part, past years, which I understand because what's, what young generation is going through is very hard. But at the same time, if you go, to the society how it is in Tunisia and the people and the way they are and even the light of the country itself as physical light, I feel like um, this. This that's the paradox I'm talking about. People don't look uh, so depressed when you see them, they're pretty, uh, they have humor, they're smiling, they love to have fun. Um, and uh, they they seem to be open. They seem to have hopes, and and at the same time, the suffering, the frustration of the lack of opportunities, the problem of economic of the of the country, and it's it's inside. I feel like it's hidden in a way, and it's starting to come out slowly, slowly. But it's it's more subtle. I feel and and especially when you go to the countryside, um, there's something that it feels like. Nothing has changed, anyways. So, and and they so at the same time they have hopes and they are and they are um, and they are hopeless. It's very uh, it's yeah. like in the film. They feel young and they feel old at the same time. Mm. Uh, you you can you you have the feeling that they are free because they are outside, and it's a very sunny day and it's beautiful. But at at the same time they're suffocating under those mm. trees, and that's what I start. I wanted to to build in the story of of a typical day of a normal day, um, that seems to be to be normal in a way that uh, casual casual, but in this casualty actually the whole drama is in this little things, this little details throughout the day, that says hey you know what it's not as beautiful as it seems to be, but I don't know there's something that uh, it's like a, a circle. Uh, yeah at the end hope hope is 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 back all the time
0: yeah i mean i you kind of think like um you know like jean renoir the river it's like the cycle of life like a new day and it could bring happiness could bring suffering but you just have to keep on tolling i suppose um yes. i what i really like there's a, it feels quite intimate and sensitive and what you said about the subtlety and what's not being said or what's being you know reading between the lines of dialogue where it's not like hey this is how I feel, but it kind of reminds me of like, you know, when I think of like the silence of, silences of the palace, right, and the like that kind of the dynamics between women, there's this, I mean, I love the kind of argument between, um, and also the kind of who wears a headscarf, who doesn't, and, and how actually this kind of, we're kind of projecting our own anxieties onto other people and what it really says about the kind of gender dynamics. I'd love to know what were you, you know, was there an what were your inspiration? Were the Tunisian films that you'd seen? Was it outside? What were you kind
3: of trying to hint at? Actually, it's the real people who inspire me. That's why it has this documentary flow, um, because it was all inspired by them, uh, by listening to them, by spending time. I. I I went to this orchard. I went to these farms, and I just spent the, this afternoon having tea, look, uh, looking at them working, imagining their conversation, uh, spending time with the high school student, and um, listening to their conversation. And then in the he- rehearsal process, also, I will put two, din- two different generations together, and I, w- I will tell them that's the subject, that's the topic of the scene. <laughs> so let's let's imagine this, imagine that. How would what you do, would you do? Um, and that's how, that's why I said it's really, it really came from, from them. I haven't really got inspired by, I've watched a lot of films, of course, and I've watched a lot of Abdelatif Keshish films or Abbas Kiyostami films, or even um, uh, Sofia Coppola's films also. Uh, but at a certain point when I started to work on that film, it was not about all the, all the films I've watched. It was about them. They were my inspiration and that was also the material I worked with which is a human. It's I was investing in them. I was investing in the human part of it of, the, of them and of and that's how it became become in the film. And, and then in the editing process also it was we had editors, an editor but we also had an internship who never edited before and then I had a friend who never edited before who edited some some of the scenes because the idea was to make it very instinctive and to make the dialogue uh, flowing like it's uh, in life, and so it had to sound even in the sound itself, uh, right?
0: There's I I feel like a lot of films, especially in North Africa or the you know kind of more Southwest Asian release, the use of non-professional actors is quite um, quite common, and exactly what you said. There's no sense of um, expectation. It's kind of what you're getting is a rawness, a realness. Um can you tell me about, you know, casting and you went and it's set it's set in the village that is it your father
3: held hailed, hailed from? Yes, it's set in, in the village my my father's left, uh, as I said, 50 years ago, and they have a specific accent. Also, I wanted to have this accent in the film because the north, northwest, center west of the country has been not, they didn't develop that, that area for a long time. And I feel like these people are marginalized, even in cinema, even on TV. And I thought it was really interesting to have the real accents in the film and uh, so it's it's the, this area but I think a lot of uh, actually Arabic films are made with um, famous actors they're just not famous abroad they, but they are actors in our home country
0: yeah no I, I suppose I mean in just recent what I've seen and especially these ones that are kind of grasping I've noticed like you know in Iranian cinema as well like a lot of yeah. people start out they didn't go to drama school right I think that's the point it's not they've not Come out of a whole school education system. They've kind of said, This is, the, you know, I haven't done Stanislavski's training or, you know, sense so memory. It's like there's a sense that they can learn about the craft on the job.
3: It's true, maybe because we're looking for something else, uh, where cinema in this boundaries between fiction and documentary, there's, mm. for me, there's cinema. There is something very interesting in this boundary. Uh, in between in this thing and that's we're still looking for we're still looking for our cinema and um, and and I I think also to to um to work with non-professional actors is a way to it's not just about the performing it's um it's really a way a way of expression giving people a way to express themselves even though you wrote the story that's your own scenario you have a the story in mind, but I felt that feeling when I worked with them. I felt mm-hmm. like it was it was like, it was like a stage, and they could where they could express themselves and they could play and um and open up. Also, so I think the way we make the film is is as important as the film, and um, so I I casted actually the young uh, in the, in high schools, in farms, in markets, in coffee shops. Anywhere, uh, anywhere I could find young people. So and then the older generation, uh, most of them in forums or I will ask family. Do you know someone who who sings? Because my grandmother used to sing the Layla Le- song in the film, and I was inspired also by by my background, by my roots. And there's something nostalgic of something I have I've never lived, I've never experienced, um, and I like that because I think when you you transmit this type of feeling is becoming, it becomes universal. We all, we all have some nostalgic of something. we're all nostalgic of something we've, uh, we've lost or we left or, and I, I thought that that was a feeling that I could transmit to the audience, no matter from which culture they are, they will, they will have this feeling this feeling.
0: I, I mean, one of the things I feel as someone who grew up in England, and didn't really have much connection to Tunisia. I only went for the first time last year. Um, there's a sense that um, watching cinema and seeing these stories, it fills in the gaps or, you know, different ways culture and art can feel this connection to something that I, didn't, that I never had. And as you said, you didn't grow up in it. Has this been a really quite cathartic experience for you in a sense of, oh, I'm, I ha- now have, I'm creating this bond. Like this is my, these are my, you know, my ancestors and 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 I feel like, Um, I don't know, it's made you more um, empowered by your Tunisian identity?
3: Actually, I would say that it's, um, of course it bonded, but it also, because most of the time, and I had this question before they asked me, what has changed in you after you made this film? Mm. And I felt the opposite, I felt like, what did not change in me in a way that, how do I feel even more myself by making this film? It's not about changing it's it's about being yourself and that's uh i felt that that was what i've i've went through by making this film it was I it's like i bonded i really bonded with myself and it was really deep and moving when we um shot the the scene of leila we all we were all crying while 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 you know shooting it that was really really strong um and um yeah, so I would say that, but it's hard to talk about this type of emotion. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it was such an experience. I also felt I was, of course, part of them. Uh, part of me was there and uh, and is and it is still. And Fide and Sane and, and all these girls are uh, my cousins, even though they are not my cousins. <laughs> That's something also, in a way, I felt when, when I wrote uh, the characters, it was like if I if I my, my father did not travel, migrated or stay there, maybe I will be one of them. So exactly. there's a multiplicity of personalities in the film that were like the kind of direction, and I think I'm, I'm more fide, But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I I found it interesting. That's why I played also with uh, with clichés of conservative can also come from the girls or the woman mm-hmm. and not just from the men. And uh, and I start to to work on on the specific thing that you understand to when you know the culture that it's yeah uh, it's less stereotyped than when you watch it really from outside and you come and and you just see people so
0: and I think it's interesting because again the dynamics between the girls this kind of the idea of um tradition conservatism liberalism progress and actually. That's not specific to like Tunisia, the Arab world. That happens in every facet. And I, you know, I, you know, I can, I feel like, you know, in England you can have that sort of dynamic as well. Um I I I wonder if, you know, how easy was it for the girls to kind of slip into those? You said that some of because you so I you basically create the stories and set scenes and then you allow them to improvise and kind of work with them on that. Um, what was the kind of surprising things that you discovered that stood out and what, you know, the interesting you brought? Because there's that amazing, I mean, that fight sequ- that sequence. And then um, when the elderly worker comes over and then there's this thing. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is just so um, potent. And it feels really resonant. And it's like, these are the conversations that everyone's like having everywhere all the time.
3: You know, the secret of this scene is that it's not, a, it's um it's a real scene, it's a, it's a documentary moment. The worker, the editor who comes to Fide, he's a, he was a real worker working while we were shooting the film. And when we shot the, the previous scene, we cut the argument with, between the two girls. He did not understand that we were making a film. He thought it was, he just heard Fide yelling and speaking about men and hypocrisy and patriarchy. And he got so upset and offended that he came down his tree and he came and to us to yell at her. And I understood it. And then I said, Oh my God, we have to shoot this. So it's a one take scene and it's a real moment. All he says, it's what he felt. And, and a few days improvising the scene.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Have, have, you know, you shoot a film like this, have the cast, the kind of people in it, have they now have hopes of kind of going further into the film industry and acting again? Has that kind of inspired them to do that?
3: Some of them, yes. Some of them. What I heard from the girls mainly, uh, even though I mean the main characters were were important in the film too, and and but I heard that from the girls that that most of them they told me, oh, before we we met cinema, before we we had this experience of cinema, we thought that our life would be just getting married, having kids, and now it doesn't mean we'll be actresses. It doesn't mean we will continue in the business. Maybe not. Maybe yes. But at least. We have opened up our, our opened our eyes. Yeah. Our eyes, our perspective in life. And I felt I felt it was really important and very clever from them to be very aware that it's a very hard industry, but still you 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 get something from all of it. It's yeah. um and and they they talk talk also about confidence, something about being more confident that you are able to do things that you've never thought you, you will you will do, and just by understanding how a technician works, how cinema works, how the process of making a film was a new learning, and it was um, for them they will be able to talk to that to their friends. You know, you need this camera. You do have the sound works like that, and. Um, just this is, is really important. It seemed to be very little, but it's, uh, it's new knowledge. And knowledge is always something you can be proud of. Absolutely. There's,
0: it's like representation in cinema. It's, it's cause there's, I, I often find when I, you know see other films made in like Western diaspora and they, you know, you know, when it comes to like Middle East or North African representation there's always like, there's not enough, you know there's no one there. And it's like, what you're doing is showing actually they are there but they just haven't got the same opportunities and casting directors jobs and people outside they look at your film they might cast in another one you know it's like presenting that opportunity but also presenting a life in the film industry that maybe you don't be an actor but maybe you want to become an editor maybe you want to become a cinema maybe they want to become a filmmaker like you and that's I feel like it's such a beautiful thing to do to do that and what you're doing by making sure that you're the authenticity of it by setting it is are using local people as well. Um, so I suppose, congratulations, well done for that. <laughs>
4: Thank um, you.
0: Um, I, I suppose my my final thing is really kind of, you've, you know, you, tr- you mentioned earlier of trying to get into that, um, the sweet spot really between documentary and fiction, the cinema verite and trying to get there. Um, what have you got planned next then? Is that kind of something that you really wanna kind of pursue, have you got funding for your next
3: film? my problem with funding is that um, I don't work in the classical way of writing a scenario and so on I need to find the people and the location and write at the same time and this can change a lot and so I, I remember my producer my co-producer in French she told me you're like uh, mil- milk milk, bowling can you say that? it's like the milk is warm and then suddenly the milk starts to burn <laughs> uh, and that's how I work it's like everything is I'm, I'm doing everything you at the like same time. Suddenly.
0: Simmer yeah. and then bubbles over. <laughs> exactly.
3: So uh, I'm working on my next film that I want to shoot very soon. And um, and it has also, I'm, I'm exploring again. It's not a week low. It's not one day, one one location. Uh, it's, it's different. It's the, the timing. It's also, I think, again, working with people that are invisible. Um, and... Um, and do something with them, so it has the same sense. It's a bit more fiction, let's say, um, but it, it's it's still uh, exploring this um, this era, this area of cinema I'm interested in. So mm. I cannot talk about it because, as you know, uh, projects are always fragile. Mm. You don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yes, and you want to protect it because you know, you really know what is your film, what your film is about when you start or even sometimes when you finish. So, especially well,
0: when I you I Well, I look forward to it, especially as you're kind of focused on Tunisian stories. It's, it's wonderful. More, 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 please. Gosh, I thank love you. it. Thank you so
3: Thank, thank you so, so much. Aishik, I thank you. Aishik, <laughs> Hannah. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret.
1: I'm here to speak to you today about your changing bodies. The blood is released through the vagina.
3: Please, just do this one thing for me. Let me just be
1: normal and regular like everybody else. Just please, 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 please. What up? Hello? Is it God you're looking for? This is Are You There, God? It's me. Comma, Margaret.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what they call an Oxford comma in America, isn't it?
1: No. Or is
0: Oxford comma after an and a comma? I think so. Is that an Oxford comma?
1: I don't know. Don't ask me, Grandma. Me, not smart. No. (laughs) No. No. Just
0: just listen to the Vampire Weekend song, which is uh, Chef's Kiss. It is a
1: great song. I'm sure. I'm sure
2: the SEO gods are loving this title.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know. It's quite easy to Google it because there's not many things that are called that.
0: Or like, what's that one? What was that one recently? Covadis (laughs) Ida. Yeah. That was the one I was thinking of.
2: Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, let's just... At least these actually use commas unlike, don't worry, darling. And (laughs) what was the other one? Alice Darling as well? Did that not have a comment?
2: Yeah. No, that one did have a comment. That one did?
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. That's your hot takes on commas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Margaret Simon is a sixth grader who grows up without a religious affiliation because of her parents' interfaith marriage. When she moves from New York City to New Jersey, she experiences the ups and downs of new school, new friends, and new questions about womanhood. Produced, written for the screen, and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig... It's based on the 1970 novel of the same name by Judy Blume. The film stars Abby Ryder Fortson as the title character Margaret, not God, along with Rachel, <laughs>
4: <laughs> along
1: with Rachel McAdams, Al Graham, Benny Safdie, and Kathy Bates. So I I guess because this is a very American book. I don't know if it really made a splash in the UK, but did you guys have you heard of it? Did you read it? Maybe any familiarity? I I haven't heard of it. I haven't read it.
0: I hadn't. I haven't. I read it. I don't really know Judy Blume, but I do think it did trans. It did uh, do well because there's lots of people I know who are British mm. who love it.
1: Because I, yeah, I, I never read it because I, when I was a child, was not reading books about like little girls growing up I was reading books about monsters so this was out of my yeah (laughs) hobbits yeah I used I read a series called the Bailey School Kids where every edition they would think like their teacher or someone working in their community was a monster and the whole book would be Uh. them trying to figure out whether or not (laughs) and it was always a big goosebumps fan yeah a lot of goosebumps but Mm -hmm. I was very I'm was Very aware of that, this is like this is a huge bestseller, also one of the most banned books in America because it talks openly about menstruation and also can
0: spell the menstruation.
1: And there's like a child <laughs> actually thinking about their faith instead of just unquestioningly accepting it. So, of course, the Christian right are not a fan of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I guess the first question, Hannah, I mean being exposed to the story for the first time did you immediately understand like its popularity and its impact on people
0: yes I I mean it impacted me I was like crying all the way through it um I can confirm this yeah (laughs) did you see the side I was just like (laughs) (laughs) um I suppose you know this is the thing like in the film she is a, a a girl who's got a mixed diet dual identity in the sense of she's got two interfaith marriage for my parents, one Jewish and one, one Christian. She ends up leaving the city and moving to kind of outside of our I mean from London to Doncaster, you have to find new friends, you know. The first friend that she makes this is this really pretty blonde girl. That's what I did. And this, you know, again, like right and when I moved, it was when I was, you know, ten, eleven. So I was Maybe you're like a year younger, but like that whole thing. And oh, it was just, it was very triggering. I haven't been tr- triggered since um, eighth grade, yeah. <laughs> but in like a less, I suppose, a less like harmful triggering, but more in like, oh, wow, this is really taking me back.
1: Yeah. It's interesting you bring up eighth grade because what's very interesting to me that this movie's coming out now, I mean, loads of people have tried to adapt it, and Judy Bloom has always, always been like, no until uh this director kelly freeman craig who also did the edge of 17 Came along, a great movie. Uh, and James L. Brooks, who produced The Simpsons, and that meant that it had that great Gracie Films opening that made me feel really yeah. nostalgic. Mm-hmm. I
0: was like,
2: normally, normally that's always followed by. I was half expecting
1: that to go. But this is my very round I'm getting to the question, but you know, we're at this point. We've experienced so many of the storytellers who have been really influenced and impacted by judy boom's book one of them being definitely bo burnham and eighth grade also the edge of 17 i'm on like this is still set in the 70s which was 1970 the year it was published Mm -hmm. um did it still feel really fresh to you um and did it feel like there's anything like i don't know that felt modernized or like just how do you feel about like the where it sits now, having seen all these things that were inspired by it?
2: Uh it definitely felt fresh to me. Um even though it's very specific in many ways to women and to the 70s, there's a lot about it that's universal that felt like it could still that it does still happen today. Um and the way in which they develop certain storylines in that regard it felt very fresh to me especially what they were doing with the friendship group and the trials and challenges that margaret has to overcome there that still felt fresh but again specific in what the in in in, in who's inhabiting the world and what that world do that again it felt specific in what that world is giving us to a degree, but it also felt fresh and very present in the, in that the trials that she's that she's going through in this film. You still feel like kids today, whether it's about periods or whether it's just about friendship groups. They're still going through that today. So yeah, it absolutely felt fresh to me.
1: Yeah, I really liked that the. So she yeah she falls into this friendship group that's led by she's called Nancy Wheeler which was really
2: Stranger know, Things man we were talking about it from it's that book but <laughs>
1: yeah. I was I did a double take when she said her name. <laughs> Um, maybe this is a Nancy Wheeler origin story. Who knows?
2: Uh, but she somewhere on the internet, somebody wants to watch this film. You know they're going to do a Stranger Things. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Compilation,
1: TikTok, on
4: it. I give it.
2: Give. I give it one week, and you're going to see like at least two videos of exactly this. I'm predicting it right now. But
1: Nancy Wheeler, not that Nancy Wheeler. That's Nancy Wheeler i think in a lot of other stories would have been this very like stereotypical mean girl and she is a bully and the bullying specifically comes from their own insecurities about like like how far along puberty they are and there's a girl in the school who's like taller and she's got bigger boobs and they're just awful to her but it's done with so much empathy And it comes from such a place of understanding without excusing the actions of these girls. And also Margaret, because Margaret is kind of a dickhead at points as well. Mm. (laughs) Um, She is. I mean, Hannah, I don't know if you wanted to add to that or to talk about the other thing that really stood out to me, which was Rachel McAdams as Barbara, the mom, and her storyline, which was (laughs) so beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean,
0: to... to, To add just on that, on the friendship thing, what I really liked about it's like, yeah, there's, like you said, there's no um, archetypes, there's not stereotypes, but there is the fact that sometimes when you get in a group, you just follow the lead and then you, you know, project everything onto the others. And
4: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there was a whole the thing about the socks thing, although I do think there's some of the moments in it where it's like, they introduced the socks thing, this thing about like you're not allowed to wear socks and then they're wearing socks and I was like, okay. That went no, like kind of nowhere, but I kind of <laughs> like the idea of like these, you know, arbitrary rules. Kind of reminded me of Mean Girls. I wonder if that was a Mean Girls was inspired by that, you know, because mm, it's probably. so redundant. Like on Wednesdays we wear pink, you know. <laughs> like, um, uh, but yeah, on Rachel McAdams. Oh God, I know this is like not. I I. It feels so reductive and redundant. Like reductive to talk about like women's appearances and stuff, but it's such a big thing when you notice things when. I th- see Rachel McAdams wrinkles on her forehead <laughs> and like in a world where people are getting the buccal fat removes and all this. And you, you know, people just don't have any signs of aging. I just love that I could see who Rachel McAdam is like now. And like, that's made me, and it's that made it more believable that she was at this point in her life and, and, and being this mother and there's, You know, even like even the way that her jacket was always creased, like her trench coat was always creased, those little kind of like notes that felt like this is, I believe that she's a woman who actually looks beyond kind of like she, she, she looks beyond like superficial things. And the idea Mm -hmm. that she is caught between trying to be a good mother and be there for a kid, but also like her hobbies and desires, it's like, ugh. I love you so much. And then having that, oh, there's this, that, I mean, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but, you know, part of, this, there's a scene where Mark, where Margaret asks her mother is, why didn't you see the grandparents? And that
1: moment, I think everyone it's broke. Did we all break? Um, I think she, for scene. me, it was, right there's a scene with a car she's writing a card it's just right yeah hope hope oh, yeah. everything's well that really got me <laughs>
0: yeah hope you're both well yeah. it's like oh but that but I think yeah. there's something in a way that she's able to articulate something with like just like a sucking in of a breath or just like a slight look away like you know she she knows how to deliver the emotion without laboring it like laboring the line you know what I mean it felt yeah, just really natural. I have to say, Ben Safdie on the other side of it, I'm still not quite convinced. <laughs> he's, I think he's quite hit and miss with his with his acting, but maybe that was just not enough of the character.
1: I know he's really good at being a goofy dad.
2: I just love how this movie tackles heavy topics in a very gentle, light way. Like, we were talking about the friendship group earlier. There's a thing that happens with the leader of that group it's a really big moment. And in many other films, and many, I was going to go ahead and say, lesser films, you would expect there to be a big blow-up scene that follows that scene. And the way in which this film elects to handle it, that is resolved in a very satisfying way, but in a very gentle, light way. And I feel like you can apply that sentence, honestly, to a lot of the stuff that happens here. It's still very satisfying, but it's never stereotypical. It's never histrionic. It's just very gentle and light, but no less satisfying. And I, I find that to be very impressive.
0: And even, uh, sorry, to get back to your thing that you were saying, Clarice, um, about the stereotypes. Even I think we and we're talking about Rachel McAdams' mother, who's, like, just joined as she volunteers, and the PTA mom, which is Nancy Wheeler's mom. It's like, that mm. it, 10 years ago or something, that might have been, like, Queen Bee mom having a go with a new mother coming in, and it's a dynamic there, but it wasn't, <laughs> it was just mm. like, Hey, it wasn't about, it wasn't about someone trying to be the perfect mum, you know, like a Bryce Dallas Howard in the help situation, like being just like, mm. have to be in charge of everything. Um, it was more like, it's more about Rachel McAdams feeling like overextending herself and not really taking on too many things and trying to be the image rather than mm-hmm. trying not being her authentic self, because she feels like she's not been, you know, they're putting too much pressure on herself as to be the mum that that's expected, especially when you know she didn't exactly have the best um upbringing, you know, herself. So I don't mm. know, give her, she wants to give her daughter what she kind of felt probably felt that she didn't have.
4: Mm. Yeah. And
0: there's guilt when it comes to working mothers as well. That's you know, when you're away and stuff, but
1: you know. And I liked, um I think what was really nice about this adaptation is recognizing that obviously the book mostly read by kids i don't know how many adults read it in adulthood but obviously this movie you know everyone's gonna see it the parents are gonna take their kids people like us are gonna go see it and i feel like what was so important was expanding like the point of view so it wasn't just about margaret it's about barbara and also i liked even sylvia um benny safety's mom um kathy bates kathy B- wonderful kathy bates um had some really (laughs) touching moments of like her family she stays in new york city and the family moves away and then suddenly she's like not got anything to do with her day and it was so sad um Mm -hmm. so i i don't know if that's in the book i think it's not i think some of those details are not and i really like that they were added into it
2: i think this movie is a really good example of why casting is so important and if you get it right, the good thing, the, the good things that can emerge, because the contrast of energies for so many of these characters is part of what makes them gel and cohere so well. Like Sylvia, Kathy Bates, she's a firecracker. She's got a lot of fantastic lines, <laughs> especially in that opening the twenty minutes that made me laugh. But the way in which that energy contrasts with an Abby Ryder Forston as Margaret and the sweet. Um, and not mawkish with just very sweet uh drama that unfolds between them, that is partially because their those roles are casted to perfection um and obviously the performances is uh magic so so yeah, it's great,
1: and I loved uh, Kathy's jeans in the beginning that had like the, the dazzled ass, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <That was good. laughs> the one my one
0: criticism of it is just mm. um and maybe I'm just being a bit panicky, and maybe, you know, as a children's film, but I feel like it, you know, I added on the synopsis that the first like kind of line is what the, you know, what the publicist put out. And then I added a second bit about, it. it's like her moving to New Sing and New York and uh, new friends and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. actually felt that it did a far better job, job getting into that and actually what it is to be a young girl going to school, like, you know, the drama, the anxiety of, you know, puberty and all that type of thing than it did mm-hmm. actually on the interfaith, uh, the kind of like dual, what kind of religion she wants to follow, because it was quite, apart from a kind of you know, key conflict scene, you didn't really get a sense of why she would even believe in God, like why she even believe in God, why she's looking to God. And then it was a quite nice and tidy wrap up. And maybe it's just because, you know, she's a little girl or whatever, but I feel like for a film that's kind of pegged on that, I don't think it really gets into like any sort of spirituality much or understanding of why she should pick any religion or why she should even believe in God in the first place. And maybe that's just me being an adult and looking at this in that way. But um, I don't know if you felt it was a bit light on that part
1: I I agree. But at the same time, I guess it was thinking about it more in cultural terms because it's more about not about her, I think it's sort of assumed that she believes in a God, right? Because she's sort of talking to God from the very beginning. And it's more about, like, the different, like, you know, her her dad's Jewish, her mom's Christian. Like, she has friends who are other forms of belief in a God and is trying to find, like, culturally where she fits in, if that makes sense. My issue
0: with this is that I actually feel like... I know they're doing it as, like, a religion thing, but actually... I think it's less about religion because Judaism is an ethno-religion. It's actually Mm. that he's married a Jewish man and I think it's more anti-Semitic. Is that not what it is? Well, more. It's like, that's what it felt like most of the time, right? You know, I I feel like that's the biggest... Because there's such yeah. racism, there's such a racism towards Jewish people, um, especially after war, especially with white people. and Like, you know, a lot of Catholics and Christians are Zionists because they're like, send all the Jews back to Israel. That's why most of them are like that, historically been speaking about that. So I suppose that's what I mean. It was kind of an awkward, I feel like it was trying to say, it wasn't actually saying the thing that it was actually needed to say.
1: Right. But the, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I I also do feel like it does make sense for a for kid's journey it because she I guess she wouldn't understand any of that no no yeah the mom has there's a whole thing about the mom taking such pains to shield her from it so it's it felt to me that it was like uh, the idea of her faith was which one of these spaces do I feel more most comfortable in and I think everything you said is sort of the what we as adults can read into that situation um, but I think you're right. I think that's, you're right. That's, that's,
0: what, that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like it's me as an adult looking at this, but I'm saying yeah. that for a film that's pegged on the god the that bit of it, I think it seemed it was did a far better job. And to and it's not to say it's not uh, to its detriment. It's just saying I thought there would be more of that. And it wasn't, and it was actually I love the fact that it was all the girlhood, but I think I was I but again that's my precognition. And also it does say God in the headline, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> should have been Are You There, period. <laughs> <laughs> <Margaret>. <laughs>
0: are you be there, Mother nature?
1: nature? So let's go to our screen stream or skip on Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Um <laughs> 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 Hannah. Now I
0: get that Chelsea Handler book that she wrote. Are you there, Vodka? It's me, Chelsea. Did she had oh, that book, right? That. I remember that I book coming out.
2: I'm Screen. I'm on. Screen. Final thing to say here, by the way Hans Zimmer did the score for this. Zimmer! <laughs> <laughs> Every time! It's great! Um, yeah. Um, Nice delicate piano led score, uh, which definitely hits the spot. It's nice to know that he still does uh, a a project like this from time to time. Normally, we associate him for the big, you know, sound and June and all that sort of stuff, but he he's capable of he contains multitudes, and this is a nice, like a current example of that. It's cool to see,
1: and a nice spirit in the sky needle drop, always enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I will also screen. Um from Are You There God? A movie God? that makes
2: sense to a movie that doesn't no I'm joking. Uh,
1: from Are You There God uh, Oh my God, there's no God. Ah! Suppose, <laughs> afraid.
2: I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Do you ever wish that she was dead? What?
1: Bo? Are you on your way?
3: I'm on my way, I just ah! It's not safe, is it? I sincerely doubt
4: that. I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it is it's it is basically that for like three hours. Please let me stay alive. <laughs> so, uh, following the sudden death of his mother, a mild-mannered but anxiety-ridden man confronts his darker spheres as he embarks on an epic Kafka-esque odyssey back home. Written, directed, and produced by Ari Aster, the film stars Joaquin Phoenix as the title character, Bo Wasserman, with a supporting ensemble cast with a supporting ensemble cast consisting of Patty Lapone, Nathan Lane, Amy Ryan, Kylie Rogers, Parker Posey, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Hayley Squires, Michael Gandafini, Zoe Lissa Jones, and Richard Kind. So this is uh Uno numero un, deux, was it? Uno, dos, tres. Numero tres. I was like, what am I going for? The only reason I understand mm-hmm. num- uno, dos, tres is because I think of the uh, Offspring song. Uno, dos, tres. Cacho, cinco, cinco, seis. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Hannah, segway it again. Um... Yeah. Oh. What's that one that
1: goes? Uno, dos, tres. I know you want me. I know I want... Yeah, yeah. But it's uno, dos, tres. Cacho. Oh, it's a 4 um, I'm sorry. Oh. Apologies for
0: <laughs> oh, so gosh. um uh Amon and I have fond memories of uh watching Hereditary together. Um did we watch Midsummer together? I don't think we did. And we didn't watch this. Together. No, because
2: I've still not watched that film and this does not put oh. me in any
0: hurry to do so. Oh wow, alright. Chill out, calm down. You get t- <laughs> come, come, just ease it in. I mean, I love that oh, yeah. actually like your take on this is as quick as we get thrown into like the absolute mentalness of this film. Um um but how did you feel that this one um how do you feel that this one maybe uh shifted uh in a way in the sense of what we've seen with hereditary and midsummer being quite a slow releasing sinister sort of like horror movie whereas this one Clarice, let me come to you first um how do you think this might have like slightly shifted tempo
1: well because there's parts of hereditary and i would say especially midsummer that are like so horrific that it's quite funny (laughs) um i'm thinking of the bear suit in flames quite funny (laughs) um and i feel like this is if you just extracted those moments and sort of cut out the horror around it and then expanded it to three hours that's what beau is afraid is if that makes sense (laughs)
0: So did you I mean with that in mind did you uh, did you chuckle, Amon? Did you find it funny? No. Why? <laughs> it was so funny. The <laughs> man <I>, is unsold.
2: <laughs> I was so unmoored watching this film. And I get that part of the thing with this film is that it's blowing the lines between reality and fantasy. But that almost made me feel like what? What am I meant to laugh at? What is up? What is down? Like I was, it was just all a mess to me. So like, th- th- there were people laughing during my screening, but I was all I was. I was just trying to get a handle on the film, and I didn't sort of know fully how to. there, there, a, there are things that happen, and I'm like i wish you guys could have sat next to me so you could see my facial reactions during this film i was just so i felt very alienated watching this film and now i i I will, I will say this even though as you might expect this film as as it, as it might as 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 it's becoming clear to listeners this film was not for me i do respect it in that ariaster has made this film and this is completely his vision and he's been given carte blanche to do what he's doing here and you know we are living in a time right now where we're talking a lot about AI and what it may do in the future, hopefully not in terms of storytelling and that sort of thing this is not a film that any AI could ever come up with because it's full on Ariaster doing his thing and even though it didn't work for me I respect that a filmmaker was allowed to do that on the scale that he has done it here.
1: Chat GPT could never have mommy issues.
2: (laughs) No AI, no matter how advanced, could come up with the utter deranged film that this is. Um, It's
0: it's funny listening to you say that and it's... um, What's so interesting is there's, I get this sense that like you felt like you kind of wanted to control, it's such a control of like how this you're supposed to see the film. I didn't know when I'm supposed to laugh. I did. It's like the uncertainty of what was going on, kind of was like, it was really uncomfortable for you. And I think that's exactly what this film is about. It's about like, when you can try and control things, you just get stuck. (laughs) And like, it's about um, inertia and like how the act of not acting and how actually it's kind of like every intrusive thought you could possibly have about the world of like horrible things happening, literally just is realized in like high definition, technicolor madness. And for a character like Bo who basically does, he's like he's such a, like an innocent, like he's so innocent in the sense of he just doesn't want to do the right or wrong thing. He hates uncertainty. He hates risks. And like, this is basically forcing him out out of out of it. And actually the only reason that he kind of leaves anywhere is because of fear of death, which is like the only motivation for him. But for me, yeah. that was just so revelatory because I felt like that is so much about life <laughs> in general, when you have anxiety and all these things and how actually we're so scared about doing you know, upsetting people or hurting people. Like, is this the right thing to do? I don't know, you know, the first bit where he can't get, get his flights. Like, what's the right, I'm, your mother says, I'm sure you'll do the right thing. And it's like, what is the right thing? And I love that. And I think for me, especially as it got into like the third act where it kind of just got that shit crazy, like, there didn't see, there wasn't a clear idea. It was like, oh no, I love it. That's like you're not really certain what's going on. You're not really certain about the ending. It's kind of like a nightmare dream where kind of it starts and then it ends. You don't really know where, where it comes. But actually, when you know most of your nightmares, kind of like are awful things, like you can't wake up, like you're trying to run and you can't because your legs are stuck. You know, all that sort of like nightmarish, like psychosomatic, like in psychosexual yeah. like struggle was just just so potent, and well realized for me.
2: Yeah. It's interesting, you know, <laughs> how different our reactions are to this. I will say this: the first forty minutes, I was more like I was—I was the most honest way as I could possibly be watching a film like this. I think the first one. There, there's two scenes um, that happen in Bo's apartment. There's two sort of like uh, sort of back-to-back phone calls that I think, for me, the best scenes in the movie, brilliantly acted by what kind, of which I'm sure we're going to get mm-hmm. into. Um, but I thought that stuff was really, really great. And I had a handle on what the film was trying to do. I get that the film was about guilt and thinking about it more after having watched the film, I get it a little bit more, but the act for me of actually watching the film was, it was just a deeply unpleasant. I think it's more about
0: fear and shame and like how that stops us doing anything like you know and especially when you get into like the sexual element um Clarice like come in here I loved if you could I mean tell me what your kind of like takeaway kind of themes I think Arias has said it's a lot about ambivalence but also I'd love to know what you think about like the way um the kind of the Maison Zine, the way it was shot because for me watching this was like oh brother we're up now meets Synod Duck New York weekend uh mm. uh um Uh, even like even like even the production design was like so ornate (laughs) it felt like that Wes Anderson level of detail you know
1: oh yeah I can't wait until it's like out on streaming and people screenshot all the graffiti because I saw some of it and it was so funny it's like kill children fuck the Pope (laughs) (laughs) it's really enjoyable um yeah I think you you mentioned intrusive thoughts and I think this movie kind of makes perfect sense to me if you if i just think about it as being catastrophic thinking and that is like we are locked into his pov and it's this sort of like the worst thing that he could imagine happening happens and he's sort of it's really interesting you mentioned her brother or though because i do think I, I saw a lot of reviews talking about this being an odyssey and it is And it isn't in my mind because he is like Odysseus trying to get home, which to his mother's house. Uh, But the twist is that when he gets there, I mean, slight spoiler, he does get to the mother's house at one point he realizes that that was never his home and then Mm. kind of the movie blows up because it becomes about his catastrophic thinking in relation to his mother and what i found really interesting is that it was only when i kind of walked away from the movie and i was thinking about it going oh you're so like in his mindset that the mom seems really you're like god she's really evil she must have really fucked him up but then you actually think about it and you're like oh did she really fuck him up or is he just blaming everything on mommy because it's easier because he doesn't Mm want to actually confront like his own failures as a human being yeah um so i think like it's to me i guess i'm trying to think what i would say it was in one sentence i think it is sort of about home and self and like what it really is and what you say that it is and what you say fucked you up and what really fucked you up
0: and also you know obviously like the Greek, Greek tragedy you know Homer's Iliad and like things like that it's like it's he's not a hero <laughs> of course he does these things but he's not the archetype hero archetype and that's why I said he's like the innocent because he kind of acts quite naive and like his worst like the worst thing that could ever happen has been doing something wrong and hurting like it's, like that's that sort of part of it so so it's actually like you know it's a jumping off point but it's you know not perfect but I do like the way that like like the Odyssey I mean I say I said in my review it's like I was half expecting a Cyclops to turn up because you Mm. have these different things like you know even with the the theater troupe that comes in you have the kind of like misery-esque uh like suburban couple I I mean all this I did you know again for a three-hour movie I didn't look at my you know, watch once, and actually, I literally went to the loo, and it turned out I was like, "Oh shit!" I, I thought, I thought we had like another hour, and it was like, <laughs> no, it's actually finishing. I was like, "Oh shit!" Uh, so yeah, um, um uh, so I- I'd love to talk about the acting then. I mean, let's, Man, let's talk about uh, Joaquin. You, you are, you are a big fan de- uh, of his performance in this. Um, what did you enjoy about it?
2: Just his commitment to the bit <laughs> which you absolutely need in a movie like this but also him finding new nuances in a role that could easily come across as one note because as you say he's in this sort of state of anxiety and fear and guilt and worry for a lot of it but through each sort of and I think Ari Aster has said that this film is in part by design episodic um, because he just keeps going through scenario after scenario where the worst thing continues to happen, um, but he finds new notes to play um, through all the madness that I really was quite impressed by.
0: Yeah, I think I quite like how, like the come on, come on, come on kind of like softness of working is here. Hmm. Like I like how he changes the register of his voice a little bit as well. Like it feels a little bit higher, feels a little bit lighter um Clarice was there things that you struck you
1: he's like really good at playing like a man baby which makes me very excited for Napoleon because <laughs> 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 I think he's going to be a great Napoleon but yeah I think what he he's always been really great at doing like yeah like naivety and mm-hmm. and but I it's think back of... to
0: parenthood do you remember he when he was Leaf Phoenix back then you know the G-Marty yeah movie. yeah yeah, he said,
2: "Man, I... baby," and I thought of the "Am I Not Merciful?" scene in Gladiator. immediately.
1: Well, yeah, he's kind of a man, baby, in that movie as well. And yeah. but... I mean, Joker as
0: well. If you, I mean, give it yeah. A good but safe. yeah, sort
1: of doing like the. <laughs> what he can do is that he's very good at like kind of switching the tone of the performance where you can have the quite sympathetic man baby and you're like oh and then it and then it gets really fucked up and it's like commodus and joker and in this i feel like he's kind of going in between the two registered but very Mm. subtly so you're not you're not really noticing the difference and i that's what i almost love the most about it is how you feel watching the movie and how you feel about Bo when you walk away from the movie going actually wait a minute does this guy suck yeah (laughs) does this guy great or does he suck like I feel like that's the ultimate question
4: (laughs) oh I I
0: mean my takeaway was he does suck stop being such a fucking victim stop being so scared because that's what I I think you can blame other people but people and,
1: but yeah, then you really like, feel for him while you're watching the movie because you're so wrapped up in his yeah mentality and his fear but, and like it's such a relatable form of anxiety he, of like everything's yeah. wrong
0: but that's what i mean it's like I, you can relate to it so much i mean like honestly the way your mind can you know the way we latch onto thoughts and see them as and that's the beauty of this again because like so much we think of our thoughts and our mind as facts. They're just fictions. And it's that's in a way that another, that psychological layer to it. And I just think I, maybe because I've been doing a lot of like reading about psychology and stuff this week, it got to people like, dude, I feel sorry for you. But also there are certain moments where it's just like, fucking pick, choose, do something, do something. Like even, you know, even the early phone calls or even like later on in the car with the, the daughter and stuff, it's like, you're if these things aren't happening to you you're a al- you're basically choosing not to make a decision therefore you're allowing these things to happen you're basically by lack of choice that is a choice your choice of not choosing mm-hmm. is a choice mm-hmm. and then you're blaming everyone else about it because you just don't have a spine for it um I thought and I thought was in you know get into some of the supporting characters I thought it was really interesting to see the difference between uh Patty Lapone's version, an older version of Mona, who's literally had to deal with, you know, middle age, forever, 40, 50 years with this, with her son, than compared to Zoe Lister Jones. And that also helped me understand that maybe she's not the villain, or maybe there's actually, you know, she's just human.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A bit like, oh, did mommy love you too much? Oh, I'm so sorry, Bo. And I really loved that Patty Lapone and nathan lane in this movie and there's something about having these really famous broadway actors who are incredible but have they still maintain a bit of that theatricality when they're on film so there's something a slightly artificial about them yes and their characters and it makes it so much more kind of eerie and like what's what's happening it's a a more classical act
0: at classical training where it's like let's use let's use everything's just a bit heightened which use I think the so body
1: much. and yeah. express
0: and it adds that sinister element especially with nathan lane's character which i think worked really well because he's just like i'm so bright it was like true show right it's like it's like that's what it felt like mm. in also a little bit but i like, kind of like i'm peppy and it's like oh, but it's hiding a sinister secret also amy ryan i love her i loved her in parks and recreation uh, not parks, i loved her in the office and it was really just some really great and i think it's really good that they had so many comedic performers in this uh, to really have yes. those moments. Um, Bill Hader. <laughs> yes! I knew, I was like, that's his voice. I love it when you hear a voice and you're like, and even Richard yeah. Kind, yeah. like, I... <laughs> um, and Mom, was there anyone else who stood, I mean, I know you're not a fan, but were there any performances there? Oh, and that Oh, Parker hated. Posey! Parker Posey! Oh, she was brilliant.
2: Mm. Like Parker Posey, even though, again, weird shit. Um, but... Uh... <laughs> Uh Stephen McKinley Henderson. Always good to see him on screen and he was great.
0: Did not enjoy the uh demon demonizing female masturbation, but <laughs> I mean it doesn't really, but I was like, oh no. I was like, yay, look, masturbation. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we're so close. We we're so close. Um uh is there anything else that stood out for you? I mean, I love there's an animation sequence that was kind of really beautifully rendered and a mix between live action scenery. Again, as you said, you know, going back to that theatricality of it, the stage production, it felt a bit like, you know, it was a, you know, the Wizard of Oz, you know, that sort of really brightness to really, I don't know, to to add to the artifice of the situation, to make you I don't know, it's like that thing where it's like this isn't real. Like I love mm-hmm. that where it's that playing with fiction and reality as and blurring that lines. And I think that was a really great sequence to show it kind of like you know like you know like La La Land you know the fight, that fi- final sequence or you know American in Paris so many so many it's not the first to be done but I like the work I liked how it kind of added a new dimension to the story and showed and in a way gave like Bo an opportunity to see what could <laughs> what his life could have been like if he hadn't you know sorry I feel like I'm giving too much away now maybe I should just rein it rein it in
1: i also want to what i love that Arias was so good at making domestic spaces feel in unset like the mother's house just the way mm. it's shot and the use of negative space and like the wood like there's a lot of wood and weird angles and it's so well done uh because it was the same in hereditary that house was creepy as fuck makes me not want to ever go in a house <laughs>
0: Don't, just be outside. Just join a, yep. join a theater group, band. Yeah, but then he then did it.
1: Midsummer and now outside's scary too, so nowhere
0: safe. Nowhere <laughs> is safe, not even your mind. <laughs> yeah. Interior, exterior. Aman, uh, I know it was anything else that you wanted. Do you want to talk about the score? Did you like the score?
2: Not really. Oh. Like, <laughs> I like. I, I do, some of the visuals that you're talking about, I did appreciate. There's one transition where it goes from someone running in a forest to a different location. I'm not going to spoil but it was really skillfully done. Mm-hmm. And that stuck out to me. It's like, oh, that's good. I was i was trying to latch onto anything and everything yeah. watching this movie. I really was. And, and, and a lot of what you're saying is very, very interesting. A lot of what I've been reading about this movie, post-movie, has been intriguing, but not intriguing enough to make me want to sit through that three hours again. Um, I, it was it's, it's the most deeply unpleasant time I've had at the cinema in a long while. Um, and again, I know I'm, I'm glad, that, I'm glad that I'm literally, I'm really glad that it was not the case for you. But I get, I, I really do wish I watched this movie with you because I was struggling, I was mm. really struggling. I, I knew that this movie wasn't for me about an hour in, and I leaned over to a friend of mine, sitting there, so I was like, how long was this movie is? Like three hours. I was like, oh mm. god um so yeah
0: it's a i tough one. i want to say a final thing to uh, bobby uh Krillick, who was the editor because i think that's part of why uh it really managed to achieve that stress and maintain that stress all the way through the kind of really tight close-ups that, you know as you said using using uh powell powell paul polka who's done like most of the stuff of ariasta right the cinematographer But like, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, he gave him the amazing material, crazy shots, but the editing, the sharpness of that really helped to really just keep you on the edge of your seats. And I just love how you could choke out a laugh every so often, just like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, breathe. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's park it there. Let's do our screen, stream or skip verdict. Amon, are you going to surprise us?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, it's a skip for me. I'm sorry, Ari, this one was not for me. Uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. next time. Uh,
1: Clarice. Stream. Have a little Ooh. giggle. No, s- sorry, screen. No, 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 you <laughs> said it now. <laughs> you said stream.
2: You heard it here first. No, Do not go, go and watch it in the cinema. DC says Clarice Rockwick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: huh. And mine is a big, big screen. Um, Okay, so from Bo is afraid to Dom is always afraid, actually, uh, (laughs) if you want to know, and you'll understand that uh, once we get into our Fast 10 review.
2: The great Dom Toretto. If you never would have gotten behind that wheel, I'd never be the man I am today.
3: And now I am the man who's going to break your family. Piece by piece.
1: The devil's
2: coming. Boom. You got a fast car. Is it fast enough so we can fly away? We gotta make a decision. Leave
0: tonight or live and die this
2: way. Ugh,
0: absolutely. Tracy Chapman. Stunning choice there, (laughs) Amon. Love that song. Love Tracy Chapman. Love that album.
2: It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh... Fast X is the first in what we now know is a three-part finale. Is it
4: three-part?
2: So, yeah, that's what Vin <laughs> Diesel just said <laughs> in Rome a couple of days ago. We have the last.
0: <laughs> so this is yeah, like part, part, this is part 10A, and then we're going to get part 10A. <laughs> I, I,
2: I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh Yeah, this is the first in the three-part finale of the Fast franchise, Dominic Toretto. Must protect his crew and family from Dante, Enchante, the son of jog lord Hernan Reyes. Seeking revenge for the loss of his family's fortune from the heist in Via de Janeiro in Fast Five, Which is still, for my money, the best film in the franchise. It's directed by Louis Leterrier from a screenplay by Dan Mazal and Justin Lin. And it stars Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, Jason Statham, Tyrese Gibson, Luda, Jason Momoa, John Cena, Jordana Brewster, Natalie Emanuel Sun Kang, Brie Larson, Alan Rickson, Daniela Melchior, Scott Eastwood, Helen Mirren, Charlize Theron, and Rita Moreno. Wow, what a cast! Who
4: is it? Who in would have that thought
2: film? that a fast and furious franchise would start this many incredible a-listers? Um, where to start with this film? <laughs> I genuinely don't know. Let's get right into it with who I think is the MVP of this movie. His name is Jason Momoa. Um, What did we think of his performance as the villain of this movie? Uh, Because I thought it was pretty fantastic and he's having the time of his life. Hannah,
0: would you concur? No notes. (laughs) (laughs) giving, like, Nick Cage, like... Like face off, Nick Cage. I, I will even like. Mm-hmm. There's a like you know. He's just like flourishes of just theatricality of. I am gonna have the best time in this role. Like I half You know that in Gone is it Gone in sixty seconds where he's like, and he sorry if people <laughs> yeah. he's, like shaking his head. Yeah. And he goes, okay, and let's go. And like I was like half yeah. expecting him to do it. I love the way mm-hmm. he dressed. I love that he dressed like Fabio on the cover of like a romance novel. It was perfection. <laughs> As someone who wears scrunchies, I felt completely seen and represented, especially when he double fisted two of them. And I was like, ah, mm. baby, <laughs> smashed it. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it's it might actually be my favorite ever performance of just Jason Moreau. Like it was just just mm. beautiful. And he just landed the jokes. Like yeah. we've seen him in so many serious things. You know, maybe at command, but I didn't really like the humor that he's given in, I, I, he's
4: given in like,
0: just in, in Justice League and stuff. But in this, like, it was great. I love how, honestly, fant- and also probably one of the best villains in the mm-hmm. franchise thus far.
2: Uh, Clarice, what did you make of the tone of this one? I know that you know this is this franchise has come to be associated with a particular brand of fun dumbness do you feel like it stayed on the right side of that all the way through because the thing that i've been saying is that there's a difference between smart dumb and lazy dumb and i feel like for me there's a lot of stuff that happens in fastx that's just lazy dumb and that took me out of the film in various moments how did you feel about the tonal management
1: fast X. perfect no no <laughs> <laughs> honestly i i enjoyed it so much and i i don't think it was i think there's a difference between being dumb and knowing you're being dumb and i don't think there was a moment in this movie that they weren't fully aware of what they were doing Um, i was i think they like even i really liked the last one but i think they even they improved the stuff that didn't work in the last one so that we could just have pure fun like ice cream for dinner just like good times the whole Mm -hmm. way through it felt like they told every cast member just have fun and be yourself Because Jason Mm. Momoa was kind of playing himself, because he's sort of like that. And I mean, obviously, without the villain stuff. But (laughs) (laughs) he's like funny, and he wears scrunchies and a lot of silk in real life. And I like that they brought that into the character brie larson was just kind of being herself rocking up with silver sequin sneakers i really enjoyed also like John's... 20 earrings on one oh my ear my god like, they kept it. adding another one every time mm-hmm. she turned up
2: i did i did enjoy her blue suit <laughs> so yeah, good
1: And, like, John Cena, I... So one of the complaints I had of the last one is that he's so funny and they made him so boring in the last Fast and Furious movie. And then in this one, they were like, fuck that. Have a good time. And he has a whole storyline with Dom's kid where it's just, like, John Cena being silly, goofy, fun times. Uh, And I just i really have no complaints about this movie Mm. i enjoyed it top to bottom and it was so the ending was so silly and also there's a scene in rome where a bomb (laughs) is rolling through the streets of rome and then it's on fire and it just like come on how can you not just be overjoyed at watching that (laughs) I yeah, I did. I was
0: cheering. When he like does this thing and not to spoil it, but when he does this thing you're like, oh my god, he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. And in like the thing, we were like, Yes! Like, do it! <laughs> and it's like so stupid, but we're like, he's gonna do like I love that at this point it's like we want him to do the mad things, but like within what I believe he could, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't scientifically make sense I don't think but like he's the best driver in the world I think is basically trying to say and I feel like he knows how to do that and it's like I'll allow it <laughs> And
1: it, the, this movie does the things that you want to happen. Yeah. Like that you're so right. Every time there's a sequence and you're like, wouldn't it be so cool if this shit happened? That exact shit will happen. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm just waiting for it to happen.
0: I'm like, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Are
1: they going to do it? Are they going to do it? They did it. Yeah. <laughs> and Charlie's Theron finally got to punch somebody. Oh my god. That was like, great. How did it take that, that was so actually
2: long. a really good scene. <sighs> um but that right. that to me is a, is the is the prime example of smart dumb and lazy dumb that scene in the opening sort of act of the movie where Charlize Theron uh, has to sort of fight her way out to survive essentially really fantastic dumb in a sense, but there's purpose to it. There is storytelling that's gone into it and the impact of those two things comes through in a really cool way. It's dumb, but you're in it, you're invested emotionally all the rest of it. There's a fight scene that takes place between Michelle Rodriguez and Charlize Theron. Do Durant. not ban no,
1: no, that No, either. No,
0: that no, no. I've ever blah, seen. am <laughs> no, putting you on mute. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to no, put you on mute and no. you can tell the audience and listeners that I refuse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, in terms of the choreography and everything else, I got no issues. I got no, no not bad things to say about that, but I just need, give me a little bit more story. That scene only exists because it's just that what would happen if these two women got together for fight? And I want to see that, but just give me something more you know what? to hang it and on.
0: You don't need than anymore. The movie does. You don't need, I need anymore. <laughs> I don't need more. And we had the, you had this conversation with a person before we saw the movie, and I saw it, and I was mm-hmm. like, they gave exactly what I need to do. Because if you've watched this franchise, and you what even the earlier scene where it re established, what Charlie right is it Cypher? Is that her name? Cypher? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did to this family, murdered her, her her husband, like murdered Dom's son's mother, put them all through all this shit, literally tried to kill them so many times. The enemy of Miami is still shit. I loved it. And it was like, fuck you. I, if I ever get a chance, like, I'm gonna kill you. And, like, good for good for having, you know, using that time to say, right, I've got four minutes. To... It's like a fucking Madonna song, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> down, 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 down. I wish they used that song in it. <laughs>
4: down, 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 down.
0: And for me, everyone talks about, like, oh, the big fight between, like, you know, Vin Diesel and The Rock or whatever, these, like, big men. For me, having Charlie Theron and Michelle Rodriguez, two of the greatest action f- female, actually, no, no, take the female out of it. Two of the greatest action movie stars that of the last like 30 years, that fight sequence was what I've been waiting for, for so long. And the fact that they did it space and did it justice and some of the moves they pulled out and gave them space to capture the whole scene, like hatch the whole fight. I, I loved it. I thought we need more than that. And I think, you know, I, I want I want to give you a bit more, I'm going to agree with you a bit, Amon, because there are certainly some scenes in it that just were just pointless, Compare that fight sequence to the fight sequence between Ludacris and Tyrese when they're in mm-hmm. a, when they when they're in a computer thing. For me, that whole narrative has just run dry. For me, I do think they've mm-hmm. sidelined Ramsey's Nathalie Manuel's character. She mm-hmm. was literally the most one of like the most intelligent person that thing. God's eye. They barely spent any time. The fact that she was the hacker who invented this technology, which is now being used for nefarious purposes, she can do mm-hmm. so much more. And I just think they waste her. And I suppose the problem with a film like film series like this, you keep adding people to it. There's not enough mm-hmm. space, and it mm-hmm. saddens me that the ludicrous Tyrese thing is can't, can't, just keeps squashing every out. I just, for me, that was I could do less. Do less. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. She's got a cool laptop strap though. I did love that, that she chat. could type while walking. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's really genius." <laughs> I agree, though. Yeah. She she definitely could have been in it more.
2: Anyway, let's go to our screen stream or skip and get into spoiler territory on this one because there's some stuff to talk about. Michelle, um, fast X. Are you saying X or Y to fast X, Chris
1: What? Wait, what does that mean? I What's... have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like it felt good Xbox? in the moment.
2: I don't yeah. know what X is nah. like left and why. No, left. no. I, I just, you know what? Let's do that again. Um... Screen,
4: screen. <laughs> screen, 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 screen.
2: Hannah, I'm going to pose the same nonsensical question to you: X or Y on FastX X? <laughs> uh,
0: five X's, <laughs> ten X's actually, because ten stars. Screen, literally.
2: 10 stars. Loved my it. Oh my gosh.
0: Loved it. And wow. I, 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 you know what, I can't give it 10 stars. I'll lock a star off for the the whole Tyrese ludicrous thing because it doesn't deserve it. But nine stars. Okay. It's nine
2: great. stars. So modest of you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say screen even though I had, you know, I, I, I had a good time. I had a good did time. you? Um, did you? I did. I, I liked it. It's just, there's, there's a few things that made me roll my eyes. But, on the whole, I did have a good time. I was cackling all the way through. There's one scene I which Honestly,
0: Amon, I, I would never have guessed because you didn't say one positive thing in that review section of it. Do you want no, to just take I a little not, time to just no. say, before we get into okay. spoilers, what okay. you actually really
2: okay. liked about it? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Before we get spoilers, here's what I really liked about it. The Rome sequence is great. Really, really fun. Uh, probably one of the best action sequences of the entire thing. Jason Momoa, which I did say, he was phenomenal. Uh, I liked the dynamic between John Cena and the little kid, even though we'll get into it in spoilers. There's something which I'm probably looking at it in a far too serious way because this movie is so unserious, but it still made me think about it in the moment. So, yeah, there's three things which I really liked. Uh, to get into more things I liked, and maybe some things that I didn't quite like, it's time for our.
4: Hatem. Hate.
0: Hatem, 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 hatem.
4: Sorry,
2: so breaking news, Gal Gadot, uh I've forgotten her character name in this franchise, but Giselle. that character that she plays, Giselle, there you go, she's immortal, there that, you go, that, that's some breaking
0: news, that, that really that's was an underwhelming reveal for me. <laughs> Because I honestly thought we were going to have like Vanessa Kirby pop up, because I thought, oh, we're getting the Hobson Shore, <laughs> and it made sense that she would have it. But again, mm-hmm. I'm definitely in your, in your camp on the, how many times can they bring back people from the dead?
2: This is it. Like, the, it's, speaking of bringing back people from the dead, this movie especially, but it's a problem with cinema in general for me right now, but this movie ends on a cliffhanger that is meant to suggest to the audience, I think, that Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris, and Ramsey, N- Natalie Emanuel's characters, is meant, is, is suggesting that they are dead. There is no way in hell. Like, I'm not even convinced that John Cena trying is trying dead. To you that. <laughs> and it's
0: not trying to convince no. you of that. It's not. Because it's... the fact is, Amon, it, it's, it, obviously they're not dead. It's not about, obviously. obviously, it's not about, we know they're not dead. It's about how do they get out of it? That's exactly. the story. That's the entertaining yeah. entertainment. It's like Dom, Dom and his kid at the bottom of that thing, we know they're going to survive. We just haven't got a yeah. fucking clue what's going to happen. And the fun is how they get out of it. And that's the storytelling part of it. At this point, you're going to guess all these little things. And of course it's a cliffhanger. So yeah, or, you know, whatever. But you have to mm. like allow it to tell the story and entertain <sighs> you. Because otherwise, if you just wanted to say, you know, it would just be a bit boring, wouldn't it? If you were just like, Of course, it's something they cut to the scene as like they're coming out of it. I mean, if they just cut to the scene and like them just walking out of the airplane,
3: that would be like insane.
0: But they're obviously going to go from their perspective as this franchise often does. It goes, flashbacks, replays it from, as we saw with the laying out that the guy, the big Jack Reacher guy is actually in cahoots with Dante. We find a flashback, Mm -hmm. all these different things. That's the way that this franchise works. And that's just its signature way of doing things, right?
2: I get that to a degree. I truly do. But I feel like still, this movie, maybe not in that moment as much, but in certain other moments, they want us to react. They want us to feel sad in certain moments when characters die. When in Fast 6, when Giselle, inverted commas, dies, they want us to react the way Han reacts to that. When Han, inverted commas, dies, they want us to feel sad. They want us to feel all things. And then they bring these characters back. And now... I'm watching the film, and I, I, when I tell you that I'm really serious and that maybe John Cena is still alive, I I'm being deadly serious style. when I say that. When I say that. <laughs>
0: <You're> <laughs> because again. I don't again. know. It, <laughs> and on, I feel like they want you to feel sad, yet yeah. cinema is manipulative. It's literally there to play with your emotions and go on this rollercoaster. Like, you feel sad here. You feel better now. Like, that is the point of watching these films. I just want
2: death to matter in these films. Of
0: course, and I don't agree. They're two different things. There's two different things of you saying, of course, death should matter. But just because (laughs) this person doesn't come back doesn't negate that literally six moves ago, you were sad that that character dies. You still experience that, and it's still a sad moment. But again... Character journeys, development. I mean, literally, the comic books are literally built on the fact that people come back to life all the time. You this know? That's the whole industry. No. Maybe it's, I, I get what you're saying, but I also think, I think the whole point is like, it's like you're, it seems like you're annoyed that they're manipulating you. And it's like, that's a literally the job. <laughs> it's no, like films manipulate not, your emotions, I'm, I'm, right?
2: No, I'm annoyed at how lazy it is. That, that that this was, again. This is lazy dumb for me. I think and again, I. I, 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 know, I it's not lazy so. to work
1: out how
0: she's going to survive? That can might that, take a lot of thinking. <laughs> can I just
1: say, I'm so excited to find out how she got that nuclear sub. Like, I'm less I, about her coming back. I'm like, how the fuck did she get the nuclear sub? How does that's- she know to be there? Oh my god that's that that's not lazy to me because they're gonna have to explain it, and like but that's what, what I mean the questions what I love yeah, yeah,
0: that's the cliffhanger, and the thing about i like, I've kind of like let myself given into this series is that I like that the explanations, and I'm like, oh, okay, and it's fun watching those things because I know they do the this is how it really happened yeah. you know like ocean's eleven that sort of thing. It's like you know because also you know you have you have um you know, you have TV TV show like Poker Face is an example of a TV show that's come on recently. Or like, isn't it Columbo where they showed you who the killer is first and then it's working out how yeah, Columbo yes. finds them. And it's like, that's wow. another way of doing stories. It doesn't, you know, I don't, I, I kind of don't think, you're I get what you're saying. saying I are saying so,
2: that Fast X is as clever as those shows. I think
0: it's clever. <laughs> I think it's very clever at doing exactly what it does yeah. to get a billion dollar franchise and get people in. And it does what it does very well. And that's why everyone wants to be in these movies. Because you know what it is (laughs) about Fast Ten, it's a movie, but it like really feels like a movie.
1: And also, like I think by they fully establish now that this does not take place in any concept of our own reality. So I feel like it doesn't really matter to me that people like get out of car wrecks and things because it's just like that's the thing. It's clever. It is. I think it's so clever in how they always explain. people got out of these improbable situations vindi's all literally li- like,
0: lift up lifted up a car on his oh own with God. one hand and it's like he's like it doesn't make sense right like, and therefore we like in this world, he has super they're
1: superheroes yeah um, and i think it's so it's just so fun seeing how like how all these characters are in like linked up together um and i for what i was really impressed by was there are like three million people in this movie and yet everybody is somehow involved in the story. Mm. <laughs> it's like Danielle uh, and Melchior turns up and it's like, of course she's that woman's sister. I love it.
2: Everyone's related. But yeah. that I
1: think it's like, there's a consistency to it. And that's why I will mm. never complain about and it people also... being related or like yeah. people coming back from the dead because this is, they've established what the movie is and this is the rules of the world and they haven't strayed from it. And it continues to, to surprise me. Like
0: there's things like, oh my god, I can't believe that's you know what I mean? It does. Yeah. Throw it. Okay, so one of the things we wanted to talk about with um with uh the spoiler bit is also like get into who we would like to see pop up like randomly. If we've got two now and more instalments. Now, I really want Tom Hanks. <laughs>
4: Can you just imagine if Tom Hanks
0: turned out to be like but like the next villain? Like Tom Hanks would be the ultimate for me like because it would just just be it would be so unexpected like Tom Hanks in Fast and the Furious. Also because Eleven?
1: this is what I love about them this franchise is that when they introduce Cypher I distinctly remember them being like she's the baddest of the bad she's total mastermind she's behind everything and now two movies later she walks in being like okay i thought i was the worst one no there's another guy yeah and i, I thought you- i was the devil <laughs> and i want now the next movie to start with jason Momoa walking in to be like i thought i was the worst guy there's actually a an even more worse guy it's tom hanks and then tom yeah. hanks is like no 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 there's a worse 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 guy in piana yeah, yeah. reeves and it's just like- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my See, god! Okay. Like Emma Thompson. These, <laughs> Emma Thompson. She's the. That's what they end with. Like I want them to end like so <gasps> Julie Andrews.
0: Just like Julie Andrews. That would be perfect. That's oh what. My oh my god! Could you imagine? These, these
2: are these are all good suggestions, but there is another uh, who I feel would be perfect for this franchise. Someone who is known for actually doing all her stunts. Someone who is known for getting out of improbable situations, for surviving the most hellacious situations somehow in some shape or form. Paddington. You mentioned a Mr. Tom Hanks. (laughs) I'm speaking of another Tom. I'm speaking of Thomas Cruise. Get Thomas Cruise in the Fast and Furious franchise before it ends. It is what cinema needs. It is what cinema deserves and is what I want to see.
1: I think the series would explode because we're at maximum ego, and you add yeah. Tom Cruise in that. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it, it took a lot for them to get Dwayne Johnson back in. You add
2: oh, we should that... talk. <sighs> that was a great. I, mean, I, I I got it spoiled. Thank you, the app, for doing that, idiots. Um, but
4: I you know,
0: I just thought good. he was in it anyway. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh,
2: yes. no, no. No, he's on the outs with Vin Diesel, but they are they're 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 slowly gonna work towards the thing where they have the, the rock and Vin Diesel on screen again. It's gonna be the best thing ever. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait.
4: I
0: <laughs> loved the safe. Yes. I loved his okay. little thing. But also I, one thing that was weird about that scene is that Sun Kang ate like a like a weed muffin. It was like going thing and then suddenly he's like, oh, I'm fine. That was a weird that was a weird quick thing. though. Went but I also appreciate that everything. he continues things of always snacking and Mm.
4: he
0: knocked his fucking cheetos out of his hand state
1: very rude Mm. (laughs) can i ask with the cameos so people cheered when like dwayne johnson took his little balaclava thing off and showed his face but we all knew it was him before that right or i'm just am i just really good at recognizing people's arms because i was like laughing okay thank God because <laughs> I was like laughing being like oh my God and I was like no one's reacting <laughs> everyone knows yeah. this is doing Johnson right nobody else but I think sometimes that. people just like waste their space but also
0: okay. sorry this might sound a bit like bitchy but it was a multimedia FDA screening and there's a lot of people in there as I mentioned at the top of this episode who were not paying attention and probably don't actually
1: know what's actually yeah. going on <laughs> so so yeah um, did you know, he's in the franchise <laughs>
0: Uh, what, is there any little nuggets? I didn't, oh God, Pete, I annoyed me the Pete Davidson thing. I don't know, I just got an irrational dislike to Pete Davidson. And I thought, if you're gonna do a <laughs> London, I wish they got like some London. Like, you know what, it would've been amazing with that scene. Imagine if they got like Daniel Kaluuya, <laughs> just sat there, <laughs> that would've been sick, right? right? That would've been amazing if they it. got that like, thingy. But um, really? yeah, I really liked, cause I think Hobbs and Shaw is actually amazing. I think that's a really good film. Yeah, um, You didn't like it. (laughs) The the, the finale of that film
2: will always make me laugh. What haven't we done that's going to solve this? I know. Let's punch him together.
4: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can
1: they bring Idris Elba back? I really enjoyed him. (laughs) Um,
0: I love in this one when Jason Statham finds out that they're going for his mom and he's like, and he just gets his bag and he starts packing (laughs) it and it just like, they're there for ages. Like, mate how much can you this is like mary poppins bag i just loved all the things so he's like right i'm off your lift's coming soon yeah. and i was like yes and i think i just think jason statham again i don't like all the films that he's in but i like i don't like the films that he's in sometimes but i like him he's like the mm-hmm. one thing i kind of like is like the consistent thing for me because he knows how to fight yeah. and that fight mm-hmm. sequence is really well really well shot i thought
1: and very self-aware. I think that's what's been very good about the casting is that they always manage to grab people who I think maybe Tom Cruise wouldn't work because I don't think he's very, like, uh, willing to take the piss out of himself. I feel like... Stop poo-pooing my Tom uh, Oh, I think there. he is. <laughs> Sorry, no, he
0: would be because he did Tropic Thunder. Like, that's if he can true, do Tropic Thunder, but I don't know if, do like,
1: in an action context, if he'd be... But I don't know. I feel like Jason Statham, in more than a lot of other actors, is very self-aware. I mean, speaking of people who could do it like you'd want like a jackie chan
0: that would be amazing to have someone Ooh. like that could you imagine him in it he'd be oh god that'd be amazing
2: producers if you're listening 20 should i
0: i sometimes i'm like i should just get into casting <laughs> i have a friend who's in casting and sometimes i just feel like it'd be just fun i'd be like him i want him put them in him and it's like that's how it works right
4: that's yes.
0: the entire he, job. That's, no, not yeah. right? It's like I want him, and then it happens. <laughs> all right, um, Amon, Is there any little tidbits that, like, kind of stuck out for you that you thought were really hilarious? Like, spoilers, I, for I stuffing?
2: was cackling all the way through the scene where Alan Vixen Goes through the history of the franchise, some of the lies he has oh, in that yeah. whole sequence. It's like a cult with cars.
0: <laughs> beautiful. Yes. Just, just beautiful. Um, that was it perfect. Or so oh, when he was <laughs> going like, what is that? They're obsessed with family. Like, what the fuck <laughs> with family. I, I would love if someone did a count of how many times family family is said in this film.
2: Yeah, that is a drinking game you will not walk away from, I feel. Um <laughs> but yeah, all part and that part
0: would be great. Franchise. Oh my god, that's such a good idea. You get absolutely trolleyed.
2: You say that now Hannah But I don't think you'll be saying that When you try and stand up after the movie is over You'll be like nope I need
0: to stay here for a second You just got me tactical and line your stomach
2: (laughs) There you go If you do try that uh, Let us know how it goes Uh, Maybe from a hospital bed But we'll see
1: (laughs) I really enjoyed the Minions product placement why was he watching Minions on the plane? I said he was watching Minions. The sun was watching like Mission Impossible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, they're seeing it. I'm telling you.
1: I also like
0: that his, I, I also like the guy that he's so on the nose of like we've got to protect the sun, and the sun is literally wearing a t shirt that says "Protect." <laughs> On it, and I know it says protect (laughs) the sea, but it's like you could only see the protect bit. It's like, okay, I guess we got to protect this one. (laughs) That fight sequence within the house was really well done. I thought Um, that was that was was well done. Uh, Can I ask a question? This
2: this is going to sound very, I I understand the film that we're talking about and how unserious it is, but in the final act, the child is a murderer. We do realize this, right? (laughs) We're just going to shrug at that. Okay, who did he murder? He, like, he's the guy who's, like, with the car and the missiles. He's, like... Um,
0: um, uh, self-defense.
1: Also, it looks... I
0: think he's getting getting off these charges. And also, like, they're literally (laughs) trying to kill this kid. I mean, give give him a break. (laughs) I'm pretty sure...
1: I'm pretty sure if you go to court in the Fast and Furious universe, there's like some clause that if you can prove that it was really sick, they let you off. (laughs) (laughs) But did you see it though? And it was like, yo, yes. That's totally fine. (laughs) yeah really that is yeah, so yeah,
2: great yeah. you're probably 100% it's right? the only reason that people are not in jail is that
1: every time they try to take the first baby to court they're, they're right. like do it and they're like
0: <laughs> they be like rewind it play it again yeah <laughs> like,
1: do it again
4: and
0: like jerry's like Woo. um i will say one thing is i mean this is not a big big thing and again like in the scheme of it but it's interesting like how so like Vin Diesel obviously is ethnically ambiguous. He doesn't actually know what his background is, but he's quite, you know, light skinned. Mm-hmm. His, his partner, the mother of the kid is a white woman, like a white, Sp- mm-hmm. she's Spanish. And the kid went from being like, <laughs> it's like quite dark. And I don't mind it, but I also love <laughs> that this universe is like, yeah, we're going to get like a dark skinned Afro Latino because we can do it. Fuck it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you're just going to believe it. I thought that was quite, for me, like those little things that when you realize like, that's what I love about this cast, like kind of the way they cast and stuff like that, because it is that kid was so good. And his little curly hair was beautiful. That kid
1: was mm. It was great. It's good. And
0: yeah. Although is Jason Momoa like Latin? Or yeah. is he just Polynesian? It wow. Uh, in this universe. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There are no nations. Uh, Nate, the, the, the Furious <laughs> is the most ethnically ambiguous franchise ever. I should get a role in it. <laughs> okay, okay. Anything else you wanted to say before we um, end? Before we wrap up this finale? Or do you want to leave it on a cliffhanger? Um, <laughs> Start a sentence so don't finish it. <laughs>
1: how can we not talk about family when family's all we got? Is that Ooh. another line from the song? La familia.
2: I, like, I liked uh, Rita Moreno's brief dress
1: kind of like Elvis I really enjoyed it yeah. <laughs> <Our Fish> <laughs> <Postbury>. <laughs> yeah. she looks great we love her so uh so
0: yeah if we haven't made it clear I mean if you listen to this spoiler take I assume you've seen the film if not definitely go see it maybe I'm gonna go see it again I don't know but for now Thanks for tuning in, and happy viewing by whatever medium is safest for you. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It makes a difference. And tweet us any questions or hot takes at Black Pod on Twitter. You can contact me there, too.
1: I'm at Clarice Liu on Twitter and at Clarice Lockery on Instagram.
0: I'm at Amon
2: I'm Woman on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm not hard to find, <sighs> you <son> bitch.
0: <laughs> I mean wow okay that
2: was that was the rock in fast x okay that's 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 what i was doing
0: yeah (laughs) callback it made sense at the time Ah. just saying well (laughs) farewell film friends it's time to fasten your (laughs) seatbelts
1: and fade to black please keep all hands and arms inside the vehicle